What the Flux is brought to you by DeLoreanRental.com. If you're looking to rent a DeLorean time machine, DeLorean Rental has you covered. They have time machines all across the United States, the UK, Germany, France, Italy, and adding more cars daily. Check out all of their packages to see what would best fit your event at DeLoreanRental.com or call 708-292-0236. Live from Hill Valley Town Square, 1885, you're listening to What the Flux with your host, Anthony Furtado, Brooke Bromery, Caitlin Larkin, and Eugene Schnee. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, freaks and geeks, welcome to a special edition of What the Flux, 1990. Oh, 1990. 1990. Do you remember that year? I was just born in October of 89, so no, I do not remember the year 1990. Well, sucks to be you. But <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let's go. Let's actually go hop in in our little DeLorean car. If you can add a little DeLorean sound effect there, that would be great. And um, let's go back to 1990, which was a more simpler times. A um, couple things happened. Um, the, uh, the first web server and the foundation of the World Wide Web was created. Uh, the reunification of Germany. Unification of German. Nelson Mandela was released from prison that year as well. We had a couple of birthdays, uh, a couple of births done that year as well. But someone that you might know, Margaret Robbie. Sure. Yeah, she. Well, I mean, let me say that right, Margaret Robbie. <sighs> <laughs> I guess you're a fan. Oh, I am. <laughs> um, we have a couple of obviously deaths, uh, including Sammy Davis Jr., Jim oh. Hansen, um, uh, on the same day, actually. Um, for you sports fans, the San Francisco 49ers won 55-10 over the Denver Broncos for the Super Bowl that year. Nolan Ryan of the Texas Rangers pitched a no-hitter against the Oakland Athletics. And my personal uh, number one thing on the list, uh, um, Buster Douglas actually beat Mike Tyson on February 11th, I, I would like to believe that it was because Mike Tyson forgot to wish me happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, he got in the ring and was like, shit, I forgot to sing happy birthday to someone. Oh, wait a minute. I'm saying that right. Shit, I forgot to dance. <laughs> how old did you turn? Eugene, how old did you turn uh, in 1990? I was 1990. I was 11, actually. I was 11 years old. I was 11 years old. I was a very happy lad. Um, great times because I went to, there was great movies too as well. And uh, there were great movies, too, that came out that year. Um, a couple of movies like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hell, yeah. You've seen that of movie. Of course. Uh, Dick Tracy. Hell, yeah. I mm, love Dick Tracy. Movie there. Uh, Die Hard 2, even though Die Hard, you know, Die Hard is the movie responsible for destroying friendships. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Some people say it's a Christmas movie. Some people oh, say sure. it's not. Sure. It's been a debate that has ended relationships, friendships. It has caused wars. Mm-hmm. All right, I feel you. If it's horrible. Uh, Robocop 2, Gremlins 2, uh, two of my personal favorites, Cry Baby. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. I love Cry Baby. Edward Scissorhands. And then we also got some, um, some so-so movies. We got Godfather 3. Okay. And, you know, the title looked really nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was sure. a really nice title. I mean, following Godfather and Godfather Part 2, you would think Godfather Part 3 would look good on a poster, so I feel you there. Poster was really nice. Yeah, there you go. It was really cool. Whoever that, did that poster. That's it. That's all they got. <laughs> uh, oh, and we got a great movie called Troll 2. You ever seen that one? No, Troll I two? haven't. Oh, if you guys seen it, here's this one's for you. Oh my god. 
Yes. You never seen that movie? No, I know it, but I've never seen it. Good lord, that's it's a movie to die for. But if we're gonna talk about movies, we have to talk about we the movie. The movie of nineteen ninety. The movie of nineteen ninety. You know the movie, right? I think I think I know it. You, are we thinking the same movie? Probably. Of course, we're talking about Ducktales the movie, Treasure of the Lost <laughs> Land. <laughs> yes. You people, know. people have shut off our podcast. It's not even been five minutes, and we haven't said anything about the movie we're here to Screw talk about. Screw you. We guess what? Guess what? who was the boys of Murloc, the villain of Ducktales, Treasure of the Lost Land? I don't know. Who was it? Some guy named Christopher Lloyd. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah, he was also in Back to the Future Part 3 that came out that year. Yay! <laughs> yes, guys, today is May 25th, 2020. It is the 30th anniversary of Back years. to the Future Part 3. Ah, damn, 30 years. Wow. It's me in the world. I mean, that movie opened... Uh, actually, May 25th, 1990, as Kayla right. said, uh, actually raised $244 million worldwide during its initial run, making it the sixth highest grossing film of that year. Uh, it only got beat by Total Rico. That's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dance with Wolves. Uh, uh, Pretty Woman. Uh, really? Yeah. I guess. Uh, Home Alone. I like that. I understand that. Yeah, it's nice to see a nice little... That movie's great. Homicidal, how many, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And guess what was the number one movie that year? What was the number one movie? I'll give you a clue. Okay. It had a ghost. Oh. (laughs) That's like the worst clue of all time. (laughs) Does that ghost happen to be Patrick Swayze? Maybe. What's the name of the movie? Molly, you in danger, girl. No, that's not the name of the movie. Oh. <laughs> it's Ghost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Told you I was smart. <laughs> um, no, but folks, we're here to talk about, obviously, Back to the Future 3. It was, um, um, it's one of those movies that it's uh, it's been questioned by a lot of fans because... It's everyone's least favorite of the trilogy, but you know what? <laughs> What? I like. I, I love Back to the Future. I, did I say that I hated it? No. I love Back to the Future 3. I love Back to the Future, the trilogy in general. I think 1, 2, and 3 are all amazing. But if you're going to judge them individually, Back to the Future 3 is not, you know, my favorite out of the three. Okay, fair enough. But I love Back to the Future 3. To me, I, I, I consider Back to the Future 3... Uh, and this is, of course, my personal opinion, which, as we all know, it's highly important. Um, my girlfriend would agree. <laughs> Hi, honey. Um, I, I feel that this movie is the one that you appreciate the older you get. Sure. Um, I know a lot of people have, you know, even my friends are like, Back to the Future is the weakest one of all. But I like the, but what I like about this movie is about that you see the characters progressing. They're coming, it, everything's coming to an end. They, uh, you see, Cam, uh, you know, you see uh, Marty and Doc be bring character elements to their to, to their characters that they were not there before. For example, you see the Doc fall in love. Sure. And Marty finally coming you know, against what could happen if he continues his journey of everybody calling him a chicken and, you know, just losing his shit. Because yeah, a lot of people forget, yes, Doc and Marty are the, uh, you know, main characters of Back to the Future. But the very first film, really, the character arc was for George, George McFly. McFly. That's correct. You know, you see George get over his fears. 
And so, of course, in Back to the Future 2, they're like, well, we have to have a character arc for somebody. So that's why they threw in that whole uh, chicken thing from Marty. Mm -hmm. So, of course, 3 is the culmination where Doc finally has a love interest and Marty you know, learns, you know, valuable life lessons and learns that, you know, it doesn't matter what people call you. We actually were talking about this before we recorded the show where I was telling Caitlin that I feel that the Back to the Future movies, even though Marty McFly, it's the main character, the stories are, are more about he's the protagonist from our side of how we're looking at things. For example, in Back to the Future 1, as you mentioned, I agree, it's uh, definitely George's story. Yeah. I, I think that's no, there's no doubt about that. Back to the Future 2, here's where we differ, I think it's more of a, of a Biff story. We actually get to learn more about Biff. We get to learn sure. why he is the way he is, What, how could he have um, turned out to be, you know, what right. in the future. And um, it's... Obviously, we also in Back to the Future Three. It's all about Doc Brown and, yeah. and and seeing him come to the point of falling in love, but also like you know how. And I think I think everybody we've been on all that in in that situation where we we challenge our beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, here Doc is all about science, 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 but then you fall in love. Yep. And then suddenly that little bit of science, you know, that little bit of that, that, that your beliefs start going like, okay, what do I truly believe? And it's funny with that, too, because then the roles kind of reverse. Correct. You kind of have Marty kind of being the sensible look. This is what we have to do. We have to think with our head, not our heart. And you have Doc, who's kind of like smitten like a teenager falling in love for the very first time because he's always been dedicated to his work. And uh, it's really nice to see. And, of course, they kind of, um, you know, make you feel that way during the one scene where uh, Marty says, great Scott, (laughs) and then Doc goes, yeah, this is heavy. So it's really interesting to see those roles kind of reverse. That was well done, by the way. (laughs) Um, So here we are to celebrate the anniversary. This is just a little bonus uh, episode that we wanted to throw in at you guys. Um, Just to go over kind of some what we consider some fun facts and everything about the movies. Um, like we always like to say, um, uh, if you think, you know, there's always a story behind the story. And uh, we found some really fun, I will say, not just, I wouldn't say necessarily fun facts, but things that will make you appreciate the movie more sure. for what they are. And I think that's the thing, that once you see all these things combined together, you get a more sense of respect and love for this movie. Absolutely, for sure. Ladies first. Oh, sure. Well, I got a few fun facts here. Um, One is that, of course, Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale pretty much did Back to the Future 2 and 3 all at the same time. They basically wrote that script and that was that. You know, they wrote 2 and 3 together and essentially split them up into two films. So when they finished... Part two, they continued right on into part three. So while they're filming Back to the Future 3, they're editing part two, which, of course, came out in uh, November of 1989. And then, of course, part three came out in uh, May of 1990. So not too far apart uh, with films. It was only, what, a six-month difference between the two films coming out. Um, Another cool factoid is that uh, uh, Tom Wilson... Did his own stunts. There are a lot of... Wait, wait, who? Who? Tom Wilson. Isn't that the guy you were talking about last week that... Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, freaks and geeks, we are welcoming our new section in the show for What the Flocks in Caitlin's Apology of the Week. Caitlin's <laughs> Apology. Caitlin's Apology of the Week is brought to you by I'm Sorry Products. I'm Sorry Products. When you know you fucked up, you need I'm Sorry Products. Oh, mommy, <laughs> I did a mess on the bed. Oh, I'm going to, oh, after you. <laughs> Yes, um, last week I kind of went on a little little rampage, if you will. Very little. Um, about Tom Wilson not being a part of the Reunited Apart special that Josh Gad did on his YouTube channel. And For the record, it was her, not me, Tom. I like you. I like Tom Wilson, too, and I even said during the episode that I love Tom Wilson. I just thought that this was a shady thing, that he wasn't a part of that special. Now, little did I know that... Two days later, um, he would do a little segment with Josh Gad supporting um, the Reunited Apart special and the uh, charity for the first responders. And so I'm putting on my big girl pants and I am apologizing and I should have, you know, bit my tongue. But, you know, to defend myself, I had no clue that that was going to happen. I thought that I was in the right at that time. But I genuinely felt really, really, really bad. Like, once that video came out and I saw that he was actually a part of the project, I got really worried about what everybody out there was thinking of me. And I actually started crying. (laughs) I legit got upset. And so I don't want anybody to think that I'm, like, anti-Tom Wilson because I'm not. I'm a huge fan, and I love him, and I love Back to the Future. And I'm sorry for what I said, and I'm just really happy that he was able to do that project. I'm sorry. Can you repeat all that again? I was just so no. like I couldn't cue the little violin while you were saying all that. No, I'm not <laughs> saying it again. I said what I said. Well, to uh, Tom, we uh, uh, here at What the Flocks, we love you. We would still love to have you in the show. We would, even though he's probably never going to come on the show. But you then. never know that. You never know that he might. He might just go like, you know what? I just want to prove that girl wrong, and he'll do it. So that would be great, and. I would give him another big giant hug if that was the case. And that's how we're going to need our uh, bail money. Anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, um, do, you have anything, do you have anything to add about the stunts? I do. Awesome. Yeah. Tom Wilson did his own stunts? I just said that. Did you mention the fact that you pissed him off? Yeah, I just apologized. Okay. <laughs> did you mention the fact that he probably will never do this show ever again? Yeah, I did. Okay. Did you mention the fact that he act- was actually booked and because of that, did, with your little rant, he's never he decided not to do it? No. Oh, you didn't know that? Shut oh. up, you liar. <laughs> this make you feel bad. I book was all brought the guests. to you by. <laughs> I book all the guests and you know it. <laughs> well, ladies and Let's gentlemen. Let's get back to the show. Let's get back to the show. Yes, back on track, back on track. We are professionals here. Um so pretty much, I actually one thought this was pretty cool. Uh, the movie was actually a lot of film in Sonora, California, which if you've never been there, it's beautiful. Uh, and they were actually about to uh, do some scenes there, and they were allowed to rent, do it for free. Free's always really? good. Yes, ma'am. Free's always good. But with one condition. What's dun, that? Dun, dun. They had to agree to leave all the cool West buildings and sets there in hopes that the sets will serve as an attraction for other movies. Cool. Not so cool, because guess what happened six years later? What happened? Let me drink my coffee, and I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, six years later, there were actually uh, there was a bolt of lightning that put the place on fire. No way. Yep. So a bolt of lightning. A bolt of lightning. I'm not shitting you. You never know when or where it's going to strike, and then it hit the back 
Back to the Future 3 set. Well, I know where. It's Southern Park, California. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what yeah. irony. And irony is insane. Um, another really cool um, joke, I've seen, if you've seen Back to the Future 3, it's about Clint Eastwood. Now, obviously, the filmmakers, the Bobs, as we like to call them, or since we're friends with the Bobs, we call them. B&B. 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 Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, um, they, actually, um, they actually contacted Clean Eastwood, first of all, to know that, hey, it's a cool that we could use your name. And he was totally up for it. He was really uh, um, happy about that. But something that a lot of people don't realize is that when Marty McFly actually comes out of the bathroom in his cowboy getup, which, by the way, that cowboy getup, fascinating. Isn't it the best <laughs> with the little atoms? It's, it's just like... Wow. You wonder where Doc Brown even got that outfit. Unbelievable. Uh, there's two posters of, of two like really bad, like, those like B movies. It's called one's called Revenge of the Creature and the other one's Tarantula. For our for those listening, if you didn't know this, those actually feature an unknown Clint Eastwood. Hell yeah. Mm, so if for those uh, aspiring uh, actors out there, if you find yourself doing a movie with a really shitty ass title or a shitty ass cheap movie, just keep in mind that. A guy named Clint Eastwood did a movie called Revenge of the Creature. <laughs> hey, just to give you know, heads up. Uh, ZZ Top, you ever heard of them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're two guys with a beard, and the only guy that's name is Frank Beard. Yeah, Frank Beard, who doesn't have a beard. We promise you, folks, we're not making this up. Yeah, this you is can actually, Google it. You can Google it. Um, they actually performed the song Double Back, which I love. It's actually one good of my song. No, oh, really good song. The video. The video is hilarious. I actually I showed it to Caitlin before we did the show, and um, makes you question a lot of things about. It is amazing. <laughs> it's so bad, it's good. It's my new favorite thing in the world. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty much the band playing on sets with characters taken from the movie, like so cheap looking. Um, I will say though that it was really cool. There are two really cool things about ZZ Top. One that while well, they were performing, because they did had a cameo in the movie. Um, remember the song? Yeah, well, I love that before they start playing the song at the uh, at the fair or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, the town fair. Mm-hmm. Um, they spin their little guitars around, and yeah. then you see Marty give them the look like, wait, what? Haven't <laughs> like, I seen this somewhere before? Oh, it's so funny. It's definitely one of my favorite moments in the movie. That was really cool. Uh, well, something a lot of people don't know is that actually during... While obviously, if you've ever been in production and and um, and, and uh, you know recordings and stuff like that, there's a lot of downtime, and the band will actually perform songs out of their catalog to the to the crew just while they were waiting. Free ZZ Top uh, concert. Free ZZ Top concert, and they even to a point where there was a point where the production had to stop because they were they needed to repair a camera. The band just started playing all the songs. I That's mean, awesome. it's just unbelievable. And the number two thing that really cool about CC2, I want to give a shout out to a band that's been performing since 1885, and they still perform to this day. Oh, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty fucking I awesome. I know. 135 years. They look the same. They really do. I know. I, I must be Maybelline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, producers actually asked ex-president Ronald Reagan if he was interested in being the mayor, because as you probably remember, and a lot of our fans remember, is that uh, he was uh, the which one of the funniest lines in the whole trilogy when, who was the president? Uh, the uh, actor? <laughs> and um, But um, they, the, you know, the bees and, uh, decided to, um, uh, um, to contact him, but he declined. Oh, well. Um, Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri. You ever love heard of him? Love that man. Yes, man. I do. I love him I mean, so much. I want him on the show so bad. If I ever get married, he's going to be my best man. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's cool. 
I gotta meet him first though. But anyway, um, <laughs> he did obviously, as we all know, he did the score for the movie, which is score for Back to the Future. I will say, I'm just gonna say it. Do it. I would dare challenge this score. It's one of the best scores of any movie out there. Absolutely. It's up there with John Williams and Star Wars mm-hmm. or, you know, John Williams, anything really, because John Williams is amazing. But the Back to the Future score, all three films are amazing. It's never made me appreciate the instrument, the French horn, yep. more than anything uh, is because of Alan Silvestri and the use of that instrument in the score. One of the things I like about Alan Sylvester is the fact that if you actually listen to Back to the Future 1 and 2, the music's happy. It's a happy music. It's adventure. It's, it's you know, it's, it's just, it's, the, the best way I describe it is it makes you want to put on a hat and go in your car and look for something. <laughs> sure. Yeah, for real. But Back to the Future 3, I like the fact that Alan Sylvester took a risk and he changed things. He actually incorporates the Western sound music, making it sound fresh and exciting. But there's also a lot of more serious tones to this music. Sure. Um, for example, uh, at the beginning of the movie, right there, when you see the the credits and you see Marty sleeping, which I still think is so cool, him sleeping with a with the hoverboard under his feet, yeah, and everything. And the song, something doesn't feel like oh, it's not quite as happy, but it's still beautiful. Yeah. But it's more like more sentimental, and that's when you really know that oh. This is coming to. This is the end. You know, yeah, this is no, coming there's to the such end. beautiful use of uh, the woodwind section in that beginning piece with the flutes and the clarinets and oh stuff. It's, it's gorgeous beautiful. what he does. I'm telling you. Um, so, yeah, so I'm sorry for my brother, uh, Alan. You're definitely going to be my best man. Uh, I'm pretty sure my girlfriend will agree. Uh, <laughs> Michael, um, Michael J. Fox. Oh, my God. That man. What can you not say about this man? Um, yeah. His acting was so convincing when he was being hanged that. It, well, here's the sad part. He wasn't really acting. Um, a lot of people, uh, he was actually standing on the box, but after seven takes, he, he was fatigued. And he lost conscience And after everyone realized that he wasn't acting. Oh, my God. So the scene where he's being hung, yeah. when he first gets to yeah. the Old West, he, he legit, like, he legit was like, choking? Did, yeah, literally choking. And immediately, obviously, they cut it out and everything. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really scary. I Wearing mean, that outfit, you're liable to get shot. Or hanged. Uh, or hanged, which <laughs> kind of gives a different meaning now, huh? I know. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I had no idea. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If I'm going to die, I don't want to die in that outfit. No. 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 Um, as you mentioned about the back-to-back sequels filming that, you know, but something you, you I wanted to add to that was that back in the in the, back in the day when they did that, in the 89, I believe that that's when... They started filming? You have to remember something. Not a lot of movies did that. That was actually considered groundbreaking at the time sure. when they did that. And um, it took, if I'm not mistaken, 11 months of filming while editing the the two, as, uh, filming part two, as you mentioned. Can you imagine being Bob Semekis doing uh, and Bob Gale working on this like nonstop? No. Like it's just. I can't. And, and also add something to this. Yeah. The pressure of making it as good or better than your first project. I know, and it was funny. I, I was re-watching the third movie just to kind of like prepare myself for the show today, and the climactic scene at the end where they're going to go back and um, you have Clara hanging off the back of the train and she's trying to get uh, you know Doc to hear her and then Marty's trying to you know give him the hoverboard and like that whole scene is just as heart-racing as the end of the very first movie where we don't know if Marty's going to make it back to 1985 or not. Mm-hmm. It's just on that same level of, you know, anxiety. So they just did an absolute great job. 
Of course. And again, after all these elements, you know, making Back to the Future 3 so special in our hearts, we also have to talk about the more random things okay. about the movies. Um, obviously, you ever heard of a little band called Red Hot Chili Peppers? Hell yeah. Did you know that before Flea became Flea, he was known as Douglas J. Needles? I sure did. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we all, I mean, he was obviously in the band during the 80s, but I always like to joke with people about that. It's like, yeah, um, you know, after I, I literally flat out, I remember at Hard Rock telling this to somebody, but I was so serious about it. I was telling them, um, <laughs> well, yeah, because um, Douglas uh, Needles was, you know, very, uh, after avoiding that, he kind of recollected. And during that accident, because he avoided the car of the accident, he got into another accident with another guy named Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> and they decided, you know, this could be something. You this jerk. Actually, believe you. Yeah, I, I feel bad for that guy. I was actually just bullshitting out, and I was like, "Yes." And it was unfortunate they decided to get together and build this band because he wanted to prove to Marty, you know what? I am a musician, not you and oh your little God, shitty ass up. band. And I just kept going and going. I'm like, I'm gonna wait to see where this is going. Jesus. Oh uh, yeah. Moments like that making me realize. But yes, I do love seeing Flea uh, as Needles. Uh, and, of course, part two and part three. Prove it. Because I guess, um, you know, Biff was George's bully, so I guess Marty needed one, too. So I thought, you know, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, but when you got a bully named Douglas Needles, that's a cool name, though. It is a cool name. Yeah. Um, this is actually one that I showed to my friend here, Caitlin, and I got to admit, it's pretty cool. Uh, when Marty is in the, se- in the salon getting shot at before he stamps on the floorboards, causing the spit to land on the Mad Dog, you, we get to hear kind of like a shuffling sound effect. If you lived during the 80s, there was only one man that can do that effect, and his name is Michael Winslow. You know him as from uh, the movies from Police Academy. Hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. And this guy is amazing. This guy, is, he can do the effects with his voice that I honestly sometimes wonder if this guy is even human. And the things that he did was just unbelievable. Um, if you guys have a chance, a couple minutes to kill, I definitely highly recommend. Type in Michael Winslow, Led Zeppelin. He does this. Um, he does uh, this rendition of. Um, oh God, I forgot the song. Whole lot oh, of love. Whole lot of love. Thank you. And uh, I mean, you you just gotta feel like the host. Like you literally, if you want, if you see this, you better have your baby towel with you because it, you it's will drool. Cool. Like that guy's so talented <clears throat> when yeah. it comes with. Uh, to his voices and stuff like that. And how can we talk about Back to the Future 3 without yes. talking about the biggest star of the movie? In your opinion, that is... The kid at the end of the film pointed that he had to go <laughs> to the bathroom. <laughs> Who is this? So many questions. Who is Burn. this kid? What happened? What? I mean, oh, yeah, we know that, but what was the point of it? Like, what, what, I mean, there's so many questions. Homeboy had to pee. Homeboy had to pee. Homeboy had to pee. And I love that they chose that one as the best take. I wonder how many times they did it. And they're like, look, I know he's doing the pee-pee signal, but, man, that was the best one. I know. It's like. We'll just keep it. I mean, the other take that they took was, do you remember that that other take where he's peeing on Duck Brown? That was just horrible. That was just insulting. But anyway. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, I got some fun little quotes here from the people, you know. Making the film, about making the film, oh. uh, got a great quote from Bob Zemeckis, and he s- said, I know why people enjoy making westerns. It's like camping out. It's really quiet because there are no vehicles, and it's very peaceful. 
And then Bob Gale said it was the most fun he had shooting a film, and it was movie heaven. So much so that Michael J. Fox would actually go fishing in between takes, and he loved taking horseback riding lessons. So there are a lot of happy memories on the set of Back to the Future 3. And another cool little factoid is that all of the interior shots are actually part of the exterior. Usually when you're on a film set, you just build the exterior and it's there's nothing on the other side. They actually legit built these buildings and uh, for the facade and made it really look like a real town, which is just incredible. It's pretty amazing. And <clears throat> again, being said, you know, I don't think I personally will not ever want, and we spoke to this about in our last show, that hopefully there will never be another Back to the Future yeah. 4 or, or a remake or anything like that. I mean, this movie's ended the best way possible. It, that's it. it yep. It's done. But, <clears throat> again, you never know what's going to happen. But I do feel like the movie ended perfect. You know, And it's really rare to say that, yeah. especially with trilogies, with series. I, can, I always tell people, there's only there's three movies out there that have that perfect ending. Um, I used to think Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you know, it's, it's new Star Wars coming out every week. Um, but I but I will definitely argue with anyone that Back to the Future has that perfect ending. Yeah. And I mean, that's it. You really cannot go into it more. There's nothing like if you can even think about for a second, what would you have added? For more closure in that movie, what could you even think of? Nothing. I mean, they they close all the arcs. They you find out, you know, Doc has a family. Marty's with Jennifer, and you see that you know the other McFlies are you know happy and back to normal, and George is there and he's alive, and that's all you can ask for. And that Marty essentially learns that you know it doesn't matter what people call you, and you know the future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one. That's right. The only thing. I will question, if I dare, would be, how would this movie be if Crispin Glover would have stayed? Yeah, that it, they would be completely different, because I can guarantee you that he would have been in the story more. Mm-hmm. It would have totally changed the game if Crispin Glover stayed on to be in the sequels. It would have been interesting to see what role, how he would have brought he, the role. He was supposed to be Seamus. Yeah, yeah. He was supposed to be Seamus McFly. Um, and also the fact that, remember, that they only, that, you know, he died because... Yeah, you know what happened, but it would have been interesting to see that. That's the I think the only thing, and not necessarily have to see it in the movie. Yeah, but I wouldn't mind reading about it. Sure, like what the original script would have been. <clears throat> Correct. If that's, Crispin Glover was gonna do it. Yeah, just because I actually am a big fan of the George McFly character. Oh yeah, me too. I, I, I really like the fact that he came. I mean, you know, about this, and because I I, I feel like there's been. I think that I, mean, I know it's cheesy as hell, but there's a little bit of George McFly on all of us. Sure. And I, I would have liked to see what was the original idea intended to do. That's the only thing. Like sure, I said, I don't yeah. need a movie to do this. If if Bob Gale would like to read, just write a book about this, I, I'm happy with that. Sure, yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, you know what else is really cool? Speaking of Back to the Future Part 1, the train is out in Jamestown, California, and they actually scouted that location for part one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the skateboard chase scene was originally supposed to end with Marty losing Biff by skating over train tracks before a train was coming instead of him <clears throat> hitting the manure truck. So they actually went down to Jamestown, California and saw the steam train there because they thought about shooting it there, but apparently it was out of their budget and they couldn't do it. 
But of course, now they got millions of dollars from doing all these movies. Gotcha. They were able to go and do it for uh, part three and use the steam train. And you can go to Jamestown, California and actually go on the train. That's right. Which is really, really cool. Which is, by the way, where we're going right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is it? We're going right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to go take that train. We're going to go on that train. Hello, ladder train. And ride it. <laughs> On that note, folks, we want to thank you again for um, always being loyal, for always listening to us. Please keep liking us at... At whattheflux underscore pod. That's either on Instagram or Twitter or on Facebook. It's just whattheflux the podcast. If you guys would like to be on the show, all you have to do is send us either an email or a voice memo to whattheflux_pod at gmail.com. And speaking of that... Last week, we uh, asked for you guys to end our show. So hopefully we got some submissions. I'm going to go check over here. And if not, then I have to come up with a totally alternate ending for what's about to happen. Ah. But we're going to end the show with you guys this week and your voice memos and what you guys love about Back to the Future Part 3. So on that note, whether it be the future or the or past, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it's Amanda from Brooklyn, New York, and I just want to wish Back to the Future Part 3 a happy 30th anniversary. And what do I like about the film? The whole thing. Everything about the writing, the chemistry of the cast. I love the film as a whole. Anyways, happy anniversary! Hi, I'm Michelle from Los Angeles, and I wanted to talk about Back to the Future 3. Specifically, the end scene. I hadn't noticed it before, and a coworker of mine told me about it, and after he told me, I just can't stop seeing it. So it's when, you know, the doc comes back to 1985 in the train, and he um, presents Clara and two kids, Jules and Vern. And in the last scene, like when the doc is saying, you know, nobody's future has been written, the little kid, Vern, he's pointing at his crotch area. I don't know if you've noticed that, but that scene once, you know, I've seen the movie a million times, but I had never noticed that because I was so, you know, worried about what the doc was saying that I was looking at the kid. And then the kid has, does, does this like come here hand motion and then points to his crotch and I just can't unsee it now. So I just want to talk about that. I think maybe, you know, it was a long shooting schedule and maybe the, the kid needed to like use the bathroom or something. That's what I'm thinking, but who knows, right? My favorite part of the third Back to the Future film is when Marty asks the bartender if there's a back door to the bar and he says, yeah, it's in the back. Hey, Caitlin and what the flux? This is Oliver Holler here. I just wanted to reach out and let you know how thrilled I am that you're giving Back to the Future Part 3 some love since it is the 30th anniversary this year. Past couple of years, we held an event called Back to 1885, a fan adventure. It was about a four-day event where we highlighted the Sierra Number no. 3 train from the movie. A bunch of fans uh, gathered around and we decorated the train like it was in the film. I put the smokestack on top and the wood in the tender and the vinyl markings and 131 on the front. We even hooked up Clara's caboose from the film, and we all got to ride on the train. Doc and Marty were aboard, hijacking it. And we even built an end-of-track barricade, which the engineer crashed through 
to the uh, everybody's delight. It was really the ultimate fan's dream come true. We ziplined from the clock tower, hitched a team of horses to the DeLorean, built the Pohatchee Outdoor Theater to watch the film, and we danced at the Hill Valley Festival too. It was a lot of fun to, to kind of re-experience something special with, with the third film. Hello, my fellow time travelers at What The Flux Podcast. My name is Hector Gonzalez from Santa Fe Springs, California. And we finally time traveled to the year 2020 to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future 3. Um, and I would love to talk about my personal favorite moment in Back to the Future 3. Um, it's when Marty, just how it reflects back on the playing Wild Gun in the arcade game and him being challenged by a Colt Patton firearm uh, to approach the, the, the bench and just fire at these targets and he knocked it out of the park um was considered a great shooter gunslinger uh, based off of his experience with that um gunman uh, arcade game and that moment stuck out a lot to me because uh i always remember approaching my dad telling him that i too was going to be an amazing shot in the future just based on the fact that i was amazing at duck hunt and um, that was my favorite uh, game i was good at it and my dad did try to convince me that um, that's not how it works. Uh, <laughs> and um, I always believed Marty over my dad, unfortunately. Uh, these characters become part of your, your, your life. So um, the future would tell. And definitely uh, the future did tell because I cannot shoot anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm a really bad shot. And... Uh, but like I said, it's just an amazing uh, memory I have on that specific film. Little scenes uh, throughout the whole film. It just how Zemeckis tapped it off at the end with Back to the Future 3. Really just tapping it off and just making it an amazing trilogy. Um, something that's part of our identity and just part of our culture. And um, I just want to thank all you guys at What the Flux uh, podcast and what you guys are doing. Um, out there. Um, you definitely have support uh, from me out here in California. And just keep doing what you guys are doing. You guys are doing an amazing job. Hopefully we get Leah Thompson on there. Um, yeah, Eugene, uh, hopefully you don't get all the way to the end to the last letter before she shows up. But um, definitely praying for you guys <laughs> and really hoping that comes true. But uh, again, keep uh, going forward. Um, and just I appreciate you guys. Uh, your friend in time, Hector Gonzalez. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. This is DeLorean Wolfgang from the Secondary Heroes Podcast. First, I want to send a big shout out to the What the Flux Podcast for keeping Back to the Future alive and keeping these films in our everyday conversation. Now, they have asked for our favorite Back to the Future Part 3 memory, and to me, this was a tough task because the entire movie is great. If I had to choose just one, it would have to be the look of the DeLorean. Seeing the time machine with all those components from 1955 that Doc put together in a Pepsi Cola box crate on the hood is just fantastic. And the way the sparks shoot off the tires, looking like they're glowing strings of barbed wire right before Marty hits 88, it's an absolute thing of beauty. I could go on forever because I absolutely love this movie, but I'll send it back to the hosts. Thanks again, y'all. Happy anniversary. Oh boy, 30 years. Back to the Future Part 3. That's Jeffrey Weissman. I played George McFly in Part 2 and Part 3. 
And uh, yeah, I fe- I'm feeling old. <laughs> anyway, great. What the flux? Really happy to uh, be a part of the celebration with you. My memories of seeing that film when it came out, I was thrilled. First of all, while we were shooting part two, doing the Hill Valley 2015 McFly home in the next studio, they were building the Delgado Mine. And I remember jumping in there a few times and just being transported to the this rocky, dark cavern. I was like, what's going on in here? This is going to be very cool. And of course, when the film came out, I was thrilled. When the first film was being made, I was doing a Western with Clint Eastwood. So Westerns were very close to my heart, being raised on Westerns as well. And to see that third film being set in the West, uh, uh, having already read it as part of Paradox, I was thrilled and even more thrilled, especially to see the tribute they did. You know, Harry Carey Jr., uh, Pat Buttram, and, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Snub? Not Snub. Uh, anyway, the three old cowboys that, that were in, in there in the, in the saloon scene was really thrilling. I had uh, met and was friendly with uh, Pat Buttram in the past, and uh, who told me some great, wonderful stories, very, very funny stories while he was on Green Acres of developing the art of the double take. Uh, they had so much time in between takes that... They created a little dictionary, and he demonstrated the roundabout Lucy for me. I wish I could do it for you in person sometime. Anyway, well, happy anniversary, part three. I love that film. I actually loved it a little bit more than part two, even though my, my part in part three was minimal. Anyway, hopefully I'll see you all in the future, or in the past, in part three. So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to What The Flux. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WhatTheFlux underscore pod. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And be sure to recommend us to your other time-traveling friends. Hasta la bye-bye!